Well, good morning. Uh, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, quick disclaimer before we jump in. Uh, today's message and the next couple weeks' messages are going to be a little bit PG-13. Uh, and the reason for that, uh, we've been going through a book that we started in June uh, called 1 Corinthians. It's a letter that's uh, part of the collection of uh, books and letters that we call the Bible. And uh, this section that we're to now, uh, we're in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, uh, is where Paul is talking to this ancient church in the city of Corinth about relationships, uh, about marriage, and about sexuality. And so this is obviously an incredibly important topic for us to dive into because we're trying to figure out how to live our whole lives uh, with Jesus. And we want to have every part of our life be in sync with how Jesus tells us to live, which obviously includes our romance and includes sexuality. Uh, but I know that lots of different ages uh, watch, and so if you're watching today with some middle school kids, high school kids, I encourage you to keep them in the room, and uh, this will be a part of the conversation that you've already been having with them, or maybe that you need to start having with them. If you're watching with elementary kids, then uh, parents, I know that you'll make the best decision, and uh, if you're already having some conversations uh, with your elementary kids, if you are ready to start having some of these conversations with them, uh, then you can keep them in the room, but if not, uh, we totally get that, and I know you'll make the best decision about that. Uh, so. Back uh, when I was in college, which was uh, way too long ago now, uh, we had a cafeteria that was in the middle of campus, and that's where everyone ate. And once a month, they would have a steak night. And they tried to make it into this big special deal, you know, and they would like dim the lights and they would put candles on the table and you would walk in and it would like, it would smell pretty good and it would look pretty good. And it was like steak and potatoes and salad. But like once you like looked at the actual steak itself, I mean, if you can, imagine the quality of meat that a college campus would buy in mass and if you can imagine the you know talent level of the chefs you know all respect that we're preparing this meat you know it the actual steak was like very very okay you know I mean, it was like often a little overcooked sometimes burned it was a little tough you know it's like it was still steak and so it tasted like you know it wasn't it was edible but it wasn't like the best thing in the world, especially if you were to compare that steak. And when I was in college, I don't think I ever went to any fine steak restaurants, but since then I've had the chance to go to a few. And if you were to compare that steak with like a really fine steak restaurant, you know, some place where it's like farm to table, you know, and they have this whole process and the, the cows are raised in this certain way and the chefs are trained through this huge long procedure and the meat is aged and it's cooked to perfection and it's brought to you on a hot plate. And if you were to compare these two meals, it's like they're not even in the same ballpark. One is so much better than the other. And why you would ever eat a steak that was prepared in a college when you could have an incredibly prepared steak from a fine chef restaurant farm table, you would always choose the better. And I think this is a huge deal when we jump into this topic of sexuality. There was a, a writer, philosopher uh, a couple years ago named C.S. Lewis. He's passed away now. And he had this famous quote that said, one of the problems that we have as Christians is that we are far too easily pleased. That we are far too easy to, to be okay with mediocre. 
with just like, it is what it is uh, type wives. When what God has promised us as far as relationships, as far as purpose, and as far as sexuality and romance and marriage is so much better. Uh, and so today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And one of the reoccurring statements that you'll see when you read this passage is that Paul is talking to this ancient city of Corinth where sexuality was a big, big deal in this culture. You know what I mean? Lots of people were having sex. But one of the things that he was looking at was he was regularly having this statement where he would say, don't you know? Like, don't you know that there is something so much better that yes, you guys are having sex. Yes, you guys are involved in this thing. But what God has designed for sexuality, I promise, is so much better. And what I want to present to you is that you don't have to settle with just like mediocre, okay type romance and sexuality. That God has designed something that is so much better for you. Uh, and so what we're going to look at today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is Paul is going to expose two myths, uh, two things that the people of Corinth believed about sexuality. And I think now 2,000 years later, it's still myths that we still far too easily believe in our world about sexuality. And the premise of what Paul is going through in all of this is, I don't know what your view of like church and Jesus is, but I think far too easy it's easy to have this idea that like the church's view of sex or that the Bible's view of sex is just like wagging the finger and judgmental and saying, you know, like, you know, here's all these things you're not supposed to do and you're not supposed to have any fun and sex is bad. And that is not what Paul is going to present today. What Paul is going to present is that there is a form of sexuality that we are far too easily pleased with that often leaves people alone, isolated, hurt, feeling like commodities, feeling like taken advantage of, and that we shouldn't settle for that. That God who designed, who created everything in the universe, including our bodies and including sexuality, has created sex to be, that there is a, a, a method, there is a version of sexuality that is to such a higher level and God doesn't want us to settle for anything less. And so Paul is going to try to expose two myths that we fall easily fall into that will help us settle into a form of sex that is not God's plan. And if we can get rid of that, then maybe we can go to uh, the higher level of sexuality that God has designed. Uh, so we're going to start uh, chapter 6, and we're in verse 13. Uh, here's what it says. It says, Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Uh, so that was a, a statement that must have been a normal kind of phrase in Corinthian culture 2,000 years ago. That food for the stomach, stomach for the food. It was a way of saying that like, hey, like my body is just biology. You know, I mean, I am just a, a collection of urges and desires and appetites and like, hey, if I see a box of donuts, like, hey, that's 
that I'm just gonna eat them. That's what they're for. And I don't really have any ability, nor should I have any ability to deprive myself of what I want because I am just a collection of desires and I'm just gonna gobble them all up as much as I possibly can. And what Paul is gonna say is that when it comes to sexuality and really when it comes to our whole bodies, that we are not just a collection of desires and that sex is not something that is just physical. Uh, and this would have been a, a whole kind of new idea for the people of Corinth that Paul was bringing in. Uh, a common belief in Corinth was that your body was a completely separate deal than kind of the rest of you. And so your, your emotions and you know, your, 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 your spiritual self was separate from your body. And Paul, coming from a Jewish background and a Christian background, would have had a much more integrated view that who we are, you know, our bodies and our spirit, you know, we are all combined. Paul would have woken up every morning of his life saying a prayer where he said, God, I want to honor you today with all of my mind, with all of my body, and with all of my spirit. Because for Paul, they were all very connected. And the amazing thing is I think that we all know this. Uh, have you ever been hangry before? where you know, you just you're just irritable and you're just in a bad mood and really what it comes down to is it's not that there's anything really wrong it's just that you're hungry your body needs food uh, or have you ever not gotten enough sleep uh, how does that affect the rest of your life and Paul is going to say that when it comes to sexuality that your body and your emotions are tied in together and especially if you want to experience God's best for sexuality then it can't be just like a physical act then it should also integrate your emotions and your spirituality into it that it has to be something that encompasses everything and this isn't a even just like a Christian idea. Uh, a couple years ago, I was gonna talk about this subject of sexuality, and so I did an interesting research idea. Uh, I went to a bookstore and I got a whole bunch of uh, like health magazines and you know just different magazines that would talk about sexuality. And in almost every one, there was like a question and answer uh, section. And people were asking questions like, how can I improve my sex life? How can I improve my sexual relationships? And it was obvious that they were looking for some sort of like technique uh, because if sex is just physical, then you know, I mean, maybe there's you know something that I could like practice and work on, you know, and that would make my sex life better. And over and over again, the wonderful geniuses that you know, Men's Health and Cosmo magazine, you know, and all these, you know, you know, not Christian productions would say, hey, if you really want to improve your sex life, it can't just be about making the physical part of it great. You need to make the emotional part great too. You should take time, if you want to improve your sex life, take time to really get to know the person that you're having sex with. Uh, take time to really try to serve and sacrifice for each other, you know, help clean the house, help wash their car, uh, take some time to go out on vacations, to go out on uh, long dinners and talk and actually get to know each other because the more that you come together emotionally and the more that you get to come together uh, spiritually and the more that you serve each other and the more you sacrifice for each other in all the rest of your life, then that will transpose into your sex life as well. 
And that's what Paul is saying, is that he would, that, that sex is not just a physical phenomenon. Uh, how the message translates it is it's more than just skin on skin, but instead it's two people becoming one. Uh, the next myth uh, that Paul talks about is that when it comes to sexuality, that sexuality is, it's just like bodies. Uh, it's just kind of physical. And I think this could be one of the biggest dangers when we think of sex being just physical. Because if, if sex is just like a desire, if it's just an urge, if it's just a, a, an appetite, then sex is an incredibly selfish thing. Uh, if, if we're just like animals in heat, then like we're, we're just like just looking for like somebody. We're, we're just looking for a willing participant. Uh, we're just looking for someone who can help fulfill that urge. And that's not what sexuality is supposed to feel like. Uh, that's not what sexuality is supposed to be. Uh, sexuality is supposed to be about not choosing just anybody, but choosing somebody of saying, it's not just that I want to have sex, it's that I am specifically choosing you. Uh, here's what uh, Paul says uh, in verse 19. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Uh, do you have anything valuable in your life? Anything that maybe you've paid a, a high price for? Uh, how do you treat things that are valuable to you? Uh, how do you treat things that you've paid a high price for? Uh, this summer, uh, one of my quarantine purchases is I bought a canoe. Uh, I've wanted a canoe my whole life. I went on a, a middle school canoe camp when I was in junior high and ever since then I've wanted my own canoe and so this summer I finally got one and I wanted a kind of specific canoe and so I got this vintage. It's uh, from 1977. It's uh, built from this small company in Michigan called Sawyer Canoes and it's just in really great shape and I, just, I, I love this canoe. And so when I went and picked it up from the guy I bought it from, you know, I was so careful, you know, when I put it on my truck because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to fall off and make sure that I was as careful with it as I possibly could. I got it home and I washed it and I've washed this canoe countless times since I bought it this summer. I bought this special boat wax and so I've waxed it up because I wanted it to look really, really good. And uh, when we've had our family in it, we've had friends in it, uh, kids in it, uh, you know, we try to just be as careful as possible, you know, if there's a rock, if there's a log, you know, just, yeah, I don't want to get it scratched because I just want to take care of this canoe because it's valuable to me and I spent money on it and I want to make sure that it stays as pristine as it possibly can. And here's the sad fact is I probably care more deeply and have done more things for my canoe than some people have been treated in sexual relationships. There's a uh, website, uh, it's a kind of a whole ministry that I love uh, called triplexchurch.com, uh, xxxchurch.com. Uh, make sure you put it in your browser carefully, but it's a really great website. And they do two big things. Uh, one, they help people who are struggling with pornography, whether they're just kind of dabbling in pornography or whether they have a full-blown addiction to pornography. They have some great tools to help people get out. Uh, but then they also have a whole ministry where they work with people that are involved in the porn industry themselves 
because what they find is that so many people who are in the pornography industry are there not by choice. Uh, they are there because of often very tragic stories where they just kind of ended up there and now that they're there, they feel like they're trapped and they have no way to get out. And so they have this whole ministry where they help these uh, people in the porn industry get out of the industry. And so one of the slogans on their website is Jesus loves porn stars. And could anything be more true than that? That Jesus loves everybody and that Jesus loves them. That, that Jesus knows their name. Uh, that Jesus knows their, their birthdays and their, and their favorite colors. And uh, Jesus knows uh, the very hairs on their head. And Jesus created them and made them and loves them. And he has a purpose for their life. And Jesus, who paid such a high price for them. Jesus, who came to earth to be with people like us. Who, Jesus, who came to earth to sacrifice himself on the cross. Jesus, who loves them so much, doesn't want anybody to take advantage of them. Jesus doesn't want anyone to see them as just a commodity. Jesus doesn't want anyone to see them as just something that they could take advantage of for their own selfish pleasure. And Jesus feels the same way about you. And Jesus feels the same way about everybody in your high school, about everyone in your college, about everyone in your sorority, about everyone in your fraternity, about everyone that you work with, about everyone that you come in contact with, that you are so, so valuable. And that you deserve, and everyone deserves, to be treated with respect. And they deserve to not be treated as a commodity. Uh, they deserve to be loved and cherished. And so here's what Paul says, is that there's a, a version of sexuality that is, it's just physical. It's just bodies. It's just selfish. And I don't want you to settle for just that kind of sexuality. But there is another kind of sexuality where it is way more than just physical. Uh, there's a kind of sexuality that is not just about, it's about cherishing each other. Uh, and what is that form of sexuality? Well, it's a form of sexuality that it's, it, it's more than just physical. It's where you're like in a partnership, where like you're in a, a genuine friendship with someone else, like where you're like best friends, where you have like inside jokes where, where you actually really want to spend time with that other person, where if you could choose to spend time with anyone, that that's the person that you would want to spend time with. Uh, that the best form of sexuality is where there's like a, a nakedness and vulnerableness. Uh, and not just naked sexually, although that's part of it, but that like, I'm okay with exposing all of who I am. Here's the best parts about me, and here's the worst parts about me. Here's the mistakes I've made in my life. Here's the doubts. Uh, here's the things that maybe I have told no one else. And I just want to let you know all of who I am, and I am okay showing you. And to have someone else say, I see all of who you are. I see the mistakes. And I'm not saying that they are okay, but I love you even still. Uh, that the best form of sexuality is when there is commitment. 
And, and not just like, I'm committed to be with you for tonight. Not just that I'm just committed to be with you for as long as we both want to be together and as long as we don't meet someone who's better and as long as we don't get bored in the relationship or as long as there's not a conflict that feels a little too difficult and it's going to be rough to get through and so it'd be easier just to, to, just to separate. It's a commitment that I'm going to be with you no matter what. You know, like richer for poorer, sickness and in health, uh, as long as we both shall live. Uh, it's a kind of relationship where you say, you are going to be my priority. Like, I, I, I want you to be more important to me than my job. You're more important to me than uh, what car I drive. You're more important to me than my friends. You're more important to me. You are the most important person in my life. And what is a relationship like that? look like. Uh, here's what Paul says uh, at the beginning of chapter 7. It says, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The sexual drives are strong, but marriage, not randomly hooking up with people, not, uh, we're just going to date, we've been on a few dates, and so I guess I owe you that we should sleep together. Not, oh, let's, let's move in with each other, but like I'm really not ready to like totally commit to you yet. But marriage is strong enough to contain sex and provide for a balanced, don't you want a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. In a world where so many people are settling with like mediocre, like it is what it is, like often disappointing forms of sexuality, that God has designed something that is so much better. Uh, and again, it's not just the Bible that says this. In survey after survey after survey, they find that people that are in relationships, committed marriage relationships, have the most fulfilling, have the most frequent, and have the best sexual relationships. And God doesn't want you to settle for anything less. Uh, now, quick disclaimer, because some of you might hear that and think, mm, I don't know. Because here's the deal, John. Uh, I, I've been married before. Uh, I am married right now. Uh, or I know some other married people. And I'm not sure that I would classify any of them or what I had or what I have as like this great version of sexuality. And I get that. And so make sure you're here next week because we're going to talk that it's not just about saying I do. It's not just about putting a title of marriage. It's about living the marriage life that God has said that that is what creates this great sexual relationship. But for today, what we want you to know is that you shouldn't settle. Don't settle with just mediocre sex with mediocre relationships. Don't settle with just physical. Don't settle with just being treated okay. Sex should be more than physical. And you deserve to be treated. And everyone deserves to be treated with respect and honor and commitment 
in intimacy. And God wants that for you. Uh, we're going to end by taking uh, communion. Uh, and to kind of go with uh, our steak metaphor, uh, one of the things that maybe someone would say is like, yeah, you know the reason why uh, I just go with like cheap steak and why I don't go to really high-end restaurants is because I can't afford really high-end steak. And some of us, when we think about relationships, we're like, yeah, that, I would love to have this great relationship, you know, an intimacy, you know, you know, this person, they're, they're my best friend and we just, you know, we know each other and we sacrifice for each other and we're in this great marriage relationship. I would love that. But I'm not worthy of that. Uh, I don't even think I have what it takes to be able to be a part of a relationship like that. And that's the good news for all of us is that we are not alone. That Jesus loves us enough to forgive us of our sins and our past mistakes and to help us by the power of his Holy Spirit to start new every single day. And so today as we take communion, know that no matter what your sexual relationship past has been, that there is a God who loves you and he believes that you can take part in his promise of great relationships and sexuality and that he would do anything to help you get there, including sending his son to die for your sins and to give you the power of his resurrection. So let's take the bread together. take the juice together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for love. Thank you for the way in which you've created things like sexuality. But help us not to settle for just a way watered down version of it. Help us to believe that you love us that you have a plan for us and to follow you to the best life, to the best relationships, to the best sexuality possible. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, we'll see you next week as we talk about God's design for marriage. Uh, we're going to sing one last song.